Thank you for tuning in to Voice of Islam Jamaica. The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to Voice of Islam. Here at Voice of Islam, we seek to educate the general public on issues, concerns, and also questions that they may have about the religion of Islam. I am your host, Imam Ibrahim Fosin. Voice of Islam is sponsored by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam. This community believes in the advent of the promised Messiah and the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be upon him. This community is spread across over 200 countries worldwide and it's a community that believes in peaceful coexistence with God's creation. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto is love for all and hatred for none. Today on Voice of Islam, we are taking a look at one of the um, you know, many important topics that affect our society. And today we are looking at responsible upbringing of children. Of course, as a religious community, we will look at what guidance Islam offers you know, um, in terms of responsibly bringing up our children. And then also we take a look at, as a society, where do we stand in terms of, you know, responsibly bringing up our children. So as usual, um, to help me discuss this important topic, I am joined by Imam Tariq Azim. And for those of you who might be regular listeners, I believe you don't need any further introduction. But then for the sake of the new listeners, Imam Tariq Azim is the president and missionary in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica. Imam Tariq, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. And welcome to Voice of Islam. Thank you very much. So um, Imam Tariq, as I stated, as a society, one of the issues we are uh, dealing with is the way we bring up our children apparently we bring them up in a different fashion but then we expect them to behave in a different fashion so today we are looking at the responsible upbringing of children let me just ask you as a first question what does islam say about responsibly bringing up our children yes um our children is basically the future of mankind. The, the way we take care of our children today, it sets the tone for the future generations to come. If we show negligence even in one generation, upbringing, right upbringing of one sure. generation, it goes on to affect generations after that come, you know, following the, that one uh, misled or misguided generation that was not properly taken care of by its uh, parents or elders at the time. There is enough exam examples of that in the world today where certain generations missed that lesson f 
from their elders for one or another reason. But we're not getting into that topic. However, what Islam says about responsible upbringing, as you said, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, the he has stated, the Holy Founder of Islam, the Holy founder of Islam correct. He has said that akrimu awladakum wa ahsanu adabahum. That in matter of upbringing of your children, you should respect them, show respect to them, wa ahsanu adabahum, and make their morals, make their habits, manners good. So it, uh, I mean, again, a very major responsibility is put upon the parents as well as the society in uh, taking care and raising our future generations. In another narration, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon so him, has so been narrated to be, uh, to, uh, he has said that every child is born true to nature. And then he goes on to say that it is parents that make, th make him or her one type or another type. He becomes a Muslim or a Jew or a Hindu or whatever religion the parents make him and also whatever good or bad is inculcated into that child it is inculcated by the people around so the prophet peace be upon him says that he is born true to the nature what that means is that ch that the child itself is born so pure and he needs to be given guidance from that moment on that how he should behave how he should live and how uh, his morals should be and Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, himself took very good care of this in regards to his own children as well as his grandchildren and other children that, that you know, surrounded him sometimes that he would show affection and love to. So we, we find so many examples of that. But before I get into that, sure. sometimes uh, it is noticed that, uh, that some parents feel that, um, you know, we should let the child come up on his own, grow up on his own and know... Uh, interference should be done to him regarding morals, religion or any of these things and he should decide on his own what he wants to do after. This idea uh, or this thought might be well intended but it is very harmful because child when he's growing up according to that narration is born true to nature. He doesn't have um, necessarily anything good or bad in him yet. right? But what influences him makes him and he becomes that way in the future. So if he if, you, if I back out uh, in, in teaching my children good morals, it is very likely or the potential is there for him to pick up bad morals or bad habits from the people around. I might be staying back from teaching certain things, but it is possible that some bad things he might be picking up while I am trying to stay away with good intention. So this liberal type of mindset is not necessarily healthy or beneficial. So this is one thing that, that I request uh, the listeners and the parents that they should be involved in the upbringing of children and they should try to bring them up righteously in a righteous manner in whatever religion that your child belongs to. Uh, we are here as, as a Muslim community and uh, we will present in our today's talk show uh, what we understand in our faith. But And many of these things you will notice that you can apply in your own household as well to take care of your children. I just wish to add a couple of examples here from sure, the life of Holy sure. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It is mentioned that to his two-and-a-half-year-old grandchild, very young, one time he was eating beside the Prophet, peace be upon him. The Prophet asked him, eat with your right hand and eat from what is in front of you. See, he gives two instructions, one in Islam, 
we are taught that all the good things we are supposed to do with sure, our right sure. hand and the cleaning and other things, we try to use the left hand for that. I will give you another example. Uh, one time, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was sitting. His grandchild was with him as well, his grandson. And some dates, the fruit, some, yeah. of the, some dates came to be distributed among the poor. And the child, young, maybe three, four years of age at that time or even younger, took the date and quickly put it in his mouth. Took one of the dates and put it in his mouth. It was something that um, maybe it could be said that, oh, it could have been ignored and just the child could have been taught that don't do it again. But the Prophet, what he did was he took the date out of the child's mouth and told him that this does not belong to you. This is being, this is br being brought here for some other people and it, go, it will go to them. So it can, you know, like for example, in this case, that date now it's been into the mouth of the child is not worthy of giving to some other person anymore. But because the Prophet, peace be upon him, the wanted him. The lesson that was taught. Yes, the lesson was so important so that the child does not repeat this mistake and understands that uh, you have to respect that this belongs to me or this does not belong to me. If we do not care about small things like this, the same children grow up trying to take over, steal or, um, uh, you know, I shouldn't even say steal, but take things that b belong to others. You know, without any right, they take things of other people. And we see this happening, you know, like in people who work, uh, work in different offices or for government or things like that. Sometimes they, uh, these people have a habit of stealing yeah. in a way yeah. or some kind of doing frauds corruption and other corruption of, you know and that is because sometimes it starts actually from from childhood childhood when the child picks something that doesn't belong to them you will just like overlook it thinking that it is just a minor case yeah. and um, you give the example of the prophet Salaam, that when the fruit i mean was picked by the child which did not belong to them the fruit was meant to be distributed to the needy but then the child grandchild picked one and put in the in, in, in the mouth and the prophet took it out and said no this does not belong to you and you shouldn't do this. So, so even uh, small things like sure. this go on to uh, you know, make the character of that child. Sure. And right now he might be doing something small like that. But later on the same child goes on to do much worse. Not a child anymore as an adult. He goes on to do many wrong things. Corruption, stealing and what not as we, as we discussed earlier. Thank you very much. And if you just joined us, you are listening to Voice of Islam. And in case you want to be part of the program, please send us messages via WhatsApp and the number is 876-283-9533. Again, 876-283-9533. And I mean, if you want to listen to some of the previous programs also, you can do so easily by visiting voiceofislamjamaica.com and all the previous episode as well as this episode is going to be available for you to assess it. Today on Voice of Islam, we are looking at responsible upbringing of children. And as a society, one of the uh, major um, issues we have is, you know, violence, crime, and other things. The issues we are going through as a society today will be the reflection of what happened 25 years ago or 30 years ago. But I like one thing you said. Uh, you quoted a hadith, um, the sayings of the Prophet in which you said, um, he's reported to have said, Akrimu that we should respect our children and also bring them up in the, in the best way in terms of um, morality. 
then you also stated something that uh, you know the responsibility of taking care of the children it is almost like um if i should put it this way it's almost like a relay what was passed on to us we have to make sure that at least if we don't do more we maintain the same um standard that was passed on to us otherwise if we lower the standard we are going to affect not only this generation but also some like 10 generations to come um that is going to be a serious um you know issue i want us to look at the role of um, morality in responsibly bringing up our children because usually when we talk about bringing up of children or raising children the most common thing people think about is food clothing and shelter and they think that once they are able to provide this for the children they are doing a massive job i think if we base our upbringing of children on this three you know necessities then to a large degree some of the lower class you know creatures may be better, better than us if you look at the the hen the way the hen provides for the i mean i mean feed the the, the chicks i mean giving them security shelter and other things but the the difference that makes human beings you know higher class is that we are able to teach our younger ones what is right and what is wrong which of course the lower class animals cannot do so let's look at um morality can it be taught the short and simple answer is that of course it can be learned and of course it can be taught something that can be taught that can sure. be learned and something that can be learned it can be taught so that is as simple as that and i don't think there is even any reason for a person to assume that good morals or morality cannot be taught and it is uh, you know within the person himself and uh, mo good morals are already there and nothing needs to be taught or learned about that if you you know um, ask somebody that can you improve your own habits like for example um, can you wake up earlier in the morning can you uh, perform exercise every single day? You want to do that. Can you do it if you make an effort? And uh, the person will respond by saying that, yes, certainly you can improve your habits, which are basically your sure. morals. And they will give example that, yes, this person, I've seen that he was, you know, maybe he was overweight, he was obese, and he started working out, and now he is very in a good shape. Or something else that uh, this person, um, you know, used to be late for whatever program and now he has made changes in his life and now every place he is very you know he's very punctual now so all these things we see about other people and we agree that good habits and morals can be learned within our own self we see weakness in improving but we do believe that they can be improved rather uh, there is a whole genre of books called self-help books hundreds or thousands of books have been written on this very topic that how you can improve yourself i mean there's a book by um, uh, a very famous book by dale carnegie called how to win friends and influence people and in there he tells that how you can have good habits good morals how you can make slight changes to yourself and you'll be more successful in life there's so many other books outliers and you know many many books that are written and they're actually very beneficial but i must say that the holy quran is far more powerful and far more you know direct and straightforward 
in telling us that what good morals are. In those books that I mentioned, there is much good guidance to be, to be learned from. But I must say that all those things that they are teaching in those books that are, that are right are already mentioned in the Holy Quran. They're already mentioned in the sayings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So morality can be taught. God Almighty has said in the Holy Quran, فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّ فَأَتِ الذِّكْرَى It means that so admonish. For admonishment always helps. Or admonition always helps. What that means is that if you remind somebody to do keep doing good, that reminder will help. You would have seen, I mean, just to uh, elaborate on this verse of the Holy Quran, how sure. true it is. Many people in these days have different tac uh, tactics and techniques. Just to elaborate on this verse, many people today you would notice have different ta uh, you know, techniques and tactics to improve their um, moral state, basically, or habits. For example, they say that if you write on the walls a good note to yourself, not to someone else, that today I'm going to have a good day. Simple, something small like that. Or a reminder, always smile. Or something else like that. It will motivate you to eventually become like that, what you are saying there. And that is exactly what the Holy Quran is saying, that continue to admonish, for admonition always helps. So, as a short answer, yes, morality can be taught, it can be learned, and uh, we, 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 are, we are all constantly trying to improve ourselves. And if somebody is actually not trying to improve him or herself, um, it means that we are on the decline and rather we need to make an effort to improve some aspect of our lives. Thank you very much. In your earlier um, submission, you stated that children are born basically uh, into this world neutral. And that was um, a reference from the sayings of the Prophet, uh, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In other words, a child is brought into this world having a clean slate or like um, a plain paper, sheet of paper. It is we, the society, particularly the parents and the closer relatives that make the child evil or make the child good. That is the, that is, that is the essence of, essence of what, just, what Just to said. add on to that, I mean, it's good that you brought that up, um, that how the society impacts the children. Sure. Today, when we look at the system that we are living in, our children go to school from, you know, very early they leave from the house, maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock. And sometimes they come back very late, but on a routinely basis, around 4 o'clock. So from 8 o'clock or 7.30 to 4 p.m., they are outside in the school or going to the school or coming back from there. So about 8 to 9 hours are spent there. They sleep about 8 to 9 hours. The time they have at the house is the least amount of time from the sure. other two sections. Sure. So I think this should make us realize that our children pick up all kinds of bad habits and things from people around them. Very often sure. it can happen, right, when you're outside. So the responsibility of parents even becomes more important in this case. Even in these in this times. Yes. In, this, in, the, in the modern era, it becomes even more necessary that we should uh, learn how we can do the right upbringing of our children and apply those methods so that our children uh, are protected from all wrongful things and they become, uh, you know, our future generations become secured. So um, the next thing I want us to look at is the role discipline helps to 
you know, have better, you know, children trained, brought up into becoming better adults. It is, it is important. Um, in the Bible, uh, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about um, sparing the rod and, you know, sparing the child. And in, I think it starts by saying, he who um, spares the, the rod hates the child. And it goes on and on. And I think this is a, a common thing that we know. Of course, every parent loves their younger, I mean, their children. No parent would unnecessarily want to put their children to um, hardship or difficulty. But then it comes to a point when a child is either being influenced by somebody outside, as you mentioned, school or whatever, is consistently trying to be, you know, stubborn, not paying heed to the direction the parents want them to do. What happens when this, you know, takes place? And um, in terms of discipline, what are the various forms of discipline that are permissible in terms of, you know, bringing up children? Yes, uh, while I was researching for today's episode, I, I went through and read some articles on various forms of discipline that parents use. And uh, I will mention only a few. There is many types and many forms, but I'll, f I'll share some that I find interesting. One form of discipline is called gentle type of disciplining or gentle discipline. What this means is that when the child is angry or the child is throwing a tantrum and you know what you want the child to do is not listening to that, then you distract them from what they're asking and try to change the mood and have him or her listen to you. So that is one type of uh, you know, disciplining that you don't uh, use any force, you don't use any anger, you don't punish the child by taking anything away from him, no. This approach says that you distract the child from the actual uh, whatever he wants and uh, you know, distract him and make, make while making it fun, try to have him do something else. So this is one way and this is gentle discipline. The second type that I found interesting was boundary-based discipline. In this one, parents set limits for the children. That for example, if you do your homework or if you do the chores that are assigned to you, you will have 20 minutes of time to play on the tablet or the or game or whatever you want to do. Yeah. If you don't do it, the chores, you won't have that uh, you know, luxury or the fun that you want to have. So this is the second, you set a boundary that if you do this, then you will have the reward, otherwise you will not. And then you have to be firm on it. That is the second one. The third one is called positive disciplining. In this, in this one, you try to encourage the child, motivate the child that why he should listen to you. For example, the child uh, does not want to study for his test. He wants to rather be playing games or doing something else. So in this one, you try to encourage the child by, by telling him that what will he achieve by listening to you. That how the children will look up to him, that how you know, uh, responsible and sensible this sure. child is who has, who has gotten the best marks in the class on this exam. How the teacher will look towards you as one of the most brightest uh, students in the class. Or how the teacher will reward you. So these sure. are sources, ways of encouragement or motivating sure. to get the child to, to perform better. I mean, for example, in, in sports, we use this very often that you motivate the people and then automatically the response comes from there. 
So this is called positive disciplining. The fourth type that I found interesting was behavior modification. In this technique, there is consequence for each action of the child. What this means is that if the child does well, then there is a reward for it. And when something uh, he does or she does wrong, um, basically there is a punishment. Some kind of privilege is taken away from the child. So this is different in this sense. This is different from boundary-based. In boundary-based, there was that if you do it, then the reward is there. Otherwise, it's not here. It is that if you do something good, then there is a reward. If not, then there is punishment for that. So it's slightly different, which is similar, but slightly sure. different. So when some child does good, you can reward more and more and more constantly based on the behavior of the child. And this is called behavior modification, where he realizes uh, and eventually grows up to understand that if I do good, then automatically um, I will be rewarded by the, the, by the scheme of things, by the nature of the world. And that is quite true. So these are just four that I will share with you. And these are, uh, you know, I found quite interesting. And I found that uh, each of them has its own pros and cons. Course, yeah. There's some benefits in there, but there's also some dangers in each of these parenting. My personal understanding is that, uh, you know, instead of picking one of these types and going very hard on it, we should look at the situation and apply the most appropriate type of disciplining in, uh, you know, for the children. I have noticed, I have read and noticed that sometimes it, is, it happens that a, uh, that a parent reads up some s type of uh, form of discipline and its benefits and how it is good and they go on to apply that in situation where it is actually detrimental. But because they have uh, knowledge that, oh, this is good, th they go on to apply it too strictly. So I, I think it would be more appropriate that if parents adopt a mix of all these forms and in each situation, uh, look at it that which type or which form would be more appropriate. Sometimes it can be the boundary-based discipline. Sometimes it can be behavior modification. Sometimes it can be distracting the child into something else. But I think if you take only one approach each time, uh, it, might, it might not be uh, as beneficial. So these are a few things that, that you know, uh, various forms of discipline that are there. You brought up a very interesting point when you asked the question that spare the rod and spoil the child. That is something that uh, we also need to look at because in today's society, uh, it is considered that uh, if a parent um, you know, hits the child even slightly, it is considered that it is a you know, violation of the child's rights or abuse of the child. Um, this is a sensitive topic. And is, it it needs is, it, to is it having a toe on the society? Yeah. Because um, why I'm saying this, if you ask any adult on the street today, if you ask them about the kind of children we have in our societies, their comments would generally be negative. That children, I mean, are rude, they don't respect like they, I mean, they used to be when, when they were children. Um, the kind of respect they used to give to their teachers is no longer there today. When a child was, you know, working and, I mean, he met... I mean, an elderly person, you say good morning, and all those kind of, you know, forms of training that we had. I, I believe, I, I think once I had a discussion with somebody, um, and he was saying, look, gone are the days when you met Miss Brown, and you didn't say good morning to Miss Brown, and Miss Brown came to your father, that's going to be trouble for you. So these were the forms of discipline 
that was passed on to our, I mean, um, to us by our parents. Basically, they also had it from their parents and they passed it on to us. Now, in the current era of technology and also so-called freedom and other things, people have either become lazy or states and the, you know, the, the setup has made things so uh, rigid that parents, sometimes some parents are literally prevented from taking some kind of, you know, actions. And I believe also that um, punishment, of course, if it, if it, it comes into, into the discussion, there should be some kind of defined punishment that may be permissible when certain, almost all several um, warnings and advice have failed. And then if punishment is going to be, as a, as a society in general, are we doing better com as compared to what was passed on to us? Or we are, we are, you know, reversing into a ditch? We are certainly um, losing our future generations when it comes to basic respect of people around them. Um, our elders did better than us, and we see that when we study about them, even when we see them today, when we see that they have many good characteristics, which we or even our future generations don't have. So this is something, a sign of worry, and it is getting worse by generations. So the techniques that our forefathers adopted, they were certainly better, some of them were certainly better in, in, in inculcating good morals. So, uh, you know, some of those things we, we should continue and we should adopt if we can, rather than letting our child roam around without any form of punishment or anything like that. We should use some form of disciplining them. There's many types, but something needs to be done rather than completely ignoring or uh, getting angry at the child all the time. Getting angry itself is not a solution either. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that show mercy to your children. Mercy means that out of uh, love for them, you should do whatever is necessary for them to be, you know, become good human beings. It does not mean that you start beating them no. so much that uh, they, they become scared of you and they become cowards and you know, different things like that. And a problem for the society, no. But out of love, what is necessary, you do that. See, there was a time when, um, not there was a time, rather even today, many people get drunk, so drunk, that they end up coming home, beating their wives, beating their children, and things like that. Those kind of, be you know, that kind of behavior is certainly wrong. That is not a form of discipline. That is rather um, pushing the children away from yourself and sure. completely uh, destroying their moral character. So what is necessary is that out of love, out of mercy, whatever needs to be done should be done. It should be done for the betterment of the children rather than trying to express our own anger, our force and things like that. Islam does not allow that. That's basically, you know, the, the, you have to find a balance when it comes to disciplining children. It should not be with anger. It should be out of mercy. But whatever is necessary you know, uh, even if it is sometimes pu sometimes punishing the child, it should be done because of that mercy. Thank you. And I I brought that up because in recent times in our schools um, over here in Jamaica, there is, you know, a very serious issue um, in terms of discipline. I have seen on several, um, not if not couple, several videos of in some cases students fighting teachers. And in some cases, students fighting among themselves, teachers intervene, and some teachers get slaps and other things. 
in cases where students you know have issues they go and call some other friends to come to the school all these issues are going on and in recent times i think the the president of jamaica teachers association or something had um, recommended the reintroduction of corporal punishment which of course um, had been shut down by various stakeholders that that cannot be revisited um if 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 we look at all these you know forms of indiscipline at our schools and also in society as general as i said as a society it 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 looks very scary because if these same children who the adults of today are going to describe as unruly um impolite uncultured disrespectful if they are going to have children and also pass on some of these traits to their children only god can tell what will happen in the next 50 you know 40 50 years so i think as a society we need to um you know revisit some of the um the cultural values that you know were instilled in us uh, and not copying almost everything that is thrown to us by some of the western countries blindly because at the end it has its own you know replications and then also um one thing i think we need to look at in the holy quran allah the almighty has cautioned wala taktulu awladakum that do not kill your children sometimes when people interpret this verse they take it into the forms of abortion and other things but then there are several forms of killing our children as i said if we think that feeding clothing and shelter are the only necessities that our children need from us then of course we are not better than the you know some of the lower class animals because basically i mean when a hen has a chick and you try to pick the chick we see the the kind of you know um rage and anger that the hen comes protecting the the chick from from any any harm and attack and i don't think any of us could have that kind of you know uh, ferocity and that kind of anger to even protect our children when they come under uh, attack so saying we should not kill our children there are several forms basically if we have children and we don't bring them up at least if we don't pass the test of what was given to us the moral quality that were passed on to us and we lower it even to the degree of you know deteriorating it then of course we are kill i mean killing our children and exactly. that is exactly it doesn't have to, it, it should not be rather taken literally because literally it is nearly impossible that any will, parent yeah. would take the life of his child sure. uh it is more applicable in spiritual and moral sense sure. and in other ways like for example basically what god almighty is saying that children we all actually have inner capability of improving our spirituality but if that is not nourished as the child is growing up that quality inside is dying or we are allowing it to to be killed right or we're killing it ourselves so that's what god almighty is saying that do not kill your children meaning do not kill them spiritually or morally rather bring them up in the right manner sure. right so when the child is born he uh, he or she can be uh, made a good human or he can be taught many skills like for example a child can become a, an excellent footballer can become an excellent runner but that for that the training needs to begin from a very early age similarly spirituality the soul that we have inside the nourishment of that needs to begin very early too if that is not done then after a while it is like the child has become 
when he grows up spiritually dead sure and who is responsible for that the parents who did yes. not take the right care of that child and they did not listen to the words of the holy quran that do not kill your children so this is basically what it is and uh, it's very uh, right of you to point out that it should not just be taken as in literal terms rather there is such a vast meaning to it and at this point i think let's take a look at some of the you know various points um positively i mean that can can you know have effect on our children and by this i think i'm referring to um the book way of um the seekers yes. written by the second head of the ahmedia muslim community his holiness mirza bashudi mahmud ahmed and under the uh, the topic under the heading um moral upbringing of children there are several several good points that um he has you know listed which could you know help our children if you could take us through some of them yes absolutely just just before i get into that i would want like to talk about this book okay the book is called way of the seekers and it talks about that how we can establish a relationship with god almighty just chanting a few words and you know or saying praising i praise god and these things is not sufficient there is much effort that goes into uh making establishing a relationship with allah the almighty sure. so he teaches us he tells us that what those ways are and while uh, doing so he talks about that if we want our children to be protected if we want our children to become good human beings one that connect themselves with god almighty we need to be careful we need to pay attention to their upbringing so from here and that's just one uh, chapter of that or maybe i should say last few 30 or 40 pages of the book talk about that so in that list moral upbringing of children uh, the second head of ahmadiyya muslim community he mentioned several points more than 20 points actually and uh, i have selected some from there that i will share with our listeners yeah number 1 he mentions that calling adhan in the child's ear at birth adhan is the call to prayer and when muslims call uh, you know when it's time for prayers someone in a mosque will go and call the adhan uh, and this will tell everybody that it is time for prayer there is particular wording for it taught by the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings yes. of god be upon him and i think let me let me take um i, I think one day somebody drew my attention that uh, some of this this um terminologies is quite easy with us as muslims because we we know it but then for the listeners they might not have a clue as to what uh, that is and the azan literally is as you said the call um to prayers like some christians they ring the bell or they they have the bell um you know some other faiths they blow the horn as a way of calling people to the to the mosque or to the temple or to the to the church to worship in islam we don't be the drum we don't use the horn we don't you know use the bell but then we call somebody you know shouts in a melodious yeah, voice in, in, in a melodious recite. way yeah and then there are some weddings which i mean as you said state allahu akbar allahu akbar god is the greatest god is the greatest come to salat and several other other i mean uh, phrases and sentences so this is what you are saying that um when a muslim child is born this azan the call to prayer is called in the ears of the the child and um what 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 is the i mean the significance 
Yes. Well, basically, as soon as a child is born, uh, whatever the child listens to throughout his life will have an impact on his, uh, uh, on his you know, character. So, as Muslims, we believe that when we do that recitation, itself, this itself has uh, a positive impact on the ch- child. That the remembrance of God Almighty, uh, it is uh, basically instilled into him or it, is, it starts to be instilled into that uh, child right from that moment. But I think even more important is the fact that while doing this, this, remi- this is a reminder to the parents that your life has now changed. You have to be responsible for this person's life, for his moral upbringing, for his spiritual upbringing. So this is not just a call for the child, but a call for the parents that they need to be responsible in the case of this child and they need to give him the best upbringing and the best care in, you know, uh, to his spirituality, to his morality, to his education and all these other matters uh, that, that, that are necessary for parents to provide some of you, men- you mentioned earlier also. So that is the first point. And of course, there is no better word or better you know, sayings to be communicated to a child once born than the calling the name of God. Because I have seen, sometimes people might think that this doesn't have significance. But then um, if you are in a house where always the name of God is mentioned as against a house where there is vulgar music, loud, you know, um, at, at loud, I mean... Um, being played. Yeah, be, being played. You, you, can, you can see that right from the beginning... These two children are being, you know, um, raised in a different environment, and it will have, I mean, um, it, um, a toll on their life. Once there was this case of a young lady who was in a taxi with about two-year-old, you know, child with with her, and the kind of music that was being played on in the in the in the taxi was something that the the woman would understand the words to be vulgar, and then she requested the driver to stop playing that because of the child and the, the driver obviously would think that what has this two-year-old girl you know have to worry about this song i'm playing but then the the, the lady explained that you might think it will not have effect on her today but then it will have effect on her tomorrow there are certain things children do remember that sometimes as adults we don't think that they do but then when i i can tell you for now that something that happened when i was four years i still remember those vividly so it is a way of trying to tell the child that I have commissioned you into the house of God. Basically, whenever you hear the name of God, go to where that is being held. I mean, it's, it's being called. You said that you remember what happened at the age of four. Sure. And you might not remember today what happened in the first three years, for sure, example. Sure. But at that, you know, while you were four, you remembered many things that happened the day before that. Sure. And the day before that. Yeah. You know, for example, a, a one-year-old child just who, who, who knows how to walk, who knows how to crawl, or maybe just learning how to walk, the child would know uh, that if I, you know, for example, he tries to climb uh, onto a chair or a bed and he falls down, yeah. he remembers not to do that the next Again, time, yeah. right? Because he, he is retaining this information. He doesn't know when he, like later on, he would not remember that I used to fall from the bed. But at the same time, that memory, whatever he's picking up, is impacting him. Sure. Rather, I mean, as some people might say that what at that age would, uh, you know, benef- it, w- it would benefit the child. There have been research, there has been research that the child starts to listen and 
you know, right in the uh, womb in of the, the womb mother, of the inside mother. the mother. Yeah, yeah, and that has impact even after sure, the child is born. Sure. Research was done in New York that certain uh, expecting mothers were living close to a, um, to a subway station. And whenever the train would pass underneath, there is some kind of vibration that you feel in that area. So those children that later that they were born, they would uh, react differently each time that subway train would go. And those children who were born in a different area were, uh, and when they were brought to that similar yeah. place, it's a completely different it's, result. It's, it's quite possible. Yeah, quite so possible. The, the, you know, the effect of Azan, calling the, uh, the words of Azan, that is Islamic uh, call to prayer, has an impact. It, it puts this message into the child to remember Allah, remember God yeah, Almighty. Yeah. So number two. The second point is that child should be kept neat and tidy and he should be properly cleaned after stools, after using the bathroom. bathroom yeah. This is very important. I mean, an unclean child will um, have a mind that is not clean either. When we are physically um, you know, unclean, our mind will be impacted by that. And if we are physically clean, sure. then our mind is more likely to be cleaner. As the saying goes, uh, cleanness is next to godliness. Exactly. So, I mean, for this very reason, Muslims perform ablution before going into prayers. Sure. They clean themselves off so that their mind is completely pure and they're able to concentrate on their prayers. I mean, it, it is a very simple thing, right? Like, for example, if a glass is dusty or dirty or some filth is there, the water that, that you pour into it is going to be that way. So, contaminated. so the child, the physical body of our physical body is uh, the container for our soul, for sure. our mind. So if this physical body is not clean, then our mind will also not be clean. So for the child, it is very necessary that the parents, the mother, especially and father also, should make sure that the child is kept well and clean rather than running around in a dirty, in dirty clothes and you know different things like that. It impacts a child as he grows up. Okay. The third point is that a child should be fed at fixed hours. Which means that he should not just be given food because anytime. He wants to, because he, he yeah. just feels like... Exactly. Hungry. So, so that, that, that goes under um, discipline also. It goes under discipline also, right? And this instills many good habits. One of the good habits that it instills is self-control. Mm. If parents pay attention in this regard... There's no, the self-control is not the only actually good habit that the child will, uh, will adopt. Rather, punctuality will come into his nature as well. That doing everything on time, whatever it might be, sleeping, waking up, eating. So that, that concept of uh, you know, following a particular uh, timetable goes on into that child's nature. And as he grows up, he continues to practice that in all other things that he, that he undertakes self-control I already mentioned then there is good health because of you know eating at fixed hours sure our health is improved as well because of that and then also uh, the child you know becomes better at cooperating with people around meaning he does not become selfish he does not become egocentric whether he understands and these things matters better and he responds and behaves better in all those other situations just by making sure that he is fed at proper times and for example, if he's seeing somebody eating, he's not just going to get hungry looking at him, knowing that you know my time to eat is not like that. I can eat any time just walking around. So these things uh, are definitely challenging, but the more we adopt them, many good habits 
will be coming into the children's And lives. of course, this is, not, this is not saying that a person should be wicked to the child, but then fix some hours. If it is two hours interval for feeding the child, then the child should know that that two hours is not yet. So just wait until that two hours is up, and then you can have your food. And and it shows some kind of, as you said, punctuality, self-control, good health, and also cooperation. One other thing, that we waste less food this way too. Children waste sure. less food this way. Because when it is time for them to eat, they will be hungry at that time, and then they will eat. If the child is eating whenever he or she wants, then it means that it, uh, it, sometimes they will be wasting food. They'll eat halfway through, and they'll be like, okay, I'm done. Next point is that child should be given a variety of food, such as meat, vegetables, fruits, etc. You know, because it is very commonly said that we are what we eat. Sure. So if we eat, uh, you know, anything in excess, instead of uh, giving us the benefits, it starts to give uh, a negative have a sure. ne negative impact on our health, right? If a child is eating meat all the time, it will have some negative uh, effect on the child. If the child is having too much vegetables and no other meat or milk or anything like that, then that will also have some it's impact. There should be some balance in... There needs to be a balance. Yeah. And uh, in, in this book, Way of Seekers, uh, the second Khalifa, second head of the community, he mentions that the f variety of food should be given and, uh, you know, because each food has its own impact. Next point is that we should have children perform small tasks under the guise of playing. So while making the child realize, think that he is playing, we should get them to do small chores. For example, fetch a utensil, you know, get me a spoon from there. Sure. Or get me that spoon. Or, for example, throw this thing in the garbage. Sure. Clean, clean this place. Clean this do, place, do yes. This and I am doing this, up. please help me clean this place. See, in a lot of uh, situations, it might be easy for the mother or the father to say that if I just do this myself, I'll save time. But it is important for us to involve children in these things because it will teach them to remain active and do their chores themselves and not become lazy. And, and also, I think it also has some kind of instill responsibility in them as, as they grow. Sure. Absolutely. At that age, it is just, you know, as if they're playing. But when they grow up, that same playing turns into their habits. Yeah. Next point is that a child should not be overindulged. What that means is that some parents have a habit of petting their child too much or caressing them, kissing them on the cheek or the forehead again and again. Islam teaches us that we should show love to the children. We should... You know, there's uh, narrations of Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that where he would, uh, uh, you know, a child would come, he would greet him by kissing him on the forehead or on the cheek. So that, that love needs to be shown, that affection needs to be shown, but it should not be that the child is overindulged as the second head of our community here, in the, uh, he says, His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad. So, uh, because if we do that, what happens is that when a child is sitting in a different gathering somewhere outside, he expects people to, to you know, uh, in a way, um, he, he wants to be fondled, he wants to be caressed. Sure. And so that is an extremely unhealthy habit for as the child continues to grow up. So after this, next point is, children should not be told tales of horror or scary stories. Okay. Because he says that this makes the child a coward. And he says that if the child is already exhibiting these traits, for whatever reason, because of something he might have seen before that you know or you don't know about, 
then you should tell the child's uh, stories or tales of you know uh, courage bravery and things like that so that the child does not become a coward and that's what um, parental guidance come into even when it's a movie parental guidance come i mean uh, to play next point is that parents should choose child's friends so the child's friends should be chosen by the parents uh, some parents already do that but some parents will let their child go outside and roam around freely not caring who is who he is befriending or you know what not so this is very important because we need our children to be become friends with those children um, who are being brought up with more or less the similar way as we desire our children to be so i mean this will also allow i mean if parents uh, find other children that uh, have good habits then those parents can become the friend of the parents of the other child and together they can be confident that that both the children will be brought up in a good manner sure. so they will have that kind of trust in other uh, in other parents as well next point is tell the children that you are good the holy prophet peace be upon him used so, to say so. that do not curse a child for when you curse angels add let it be like that and like that he becomes so here another good imp important lesson is given that in some cultures i i have observed that um, you know parents or elders shout abusive language at the children when that is done the, the you know as it is said that it becomes a, a reason for the child to become that way it almost becomes a prayer because actually god listens to the prayers of parents for their children so instead of um using uh, abusive cursing cuz i mean language and other things prayer should be the better you know option exactly if you tell the children. child that you're a good human being you're one who takes care of people you're one who respects elders you're one who respects the rights of others you do not steal and things like that then the child will want to become those things but if you uh, you know use harsh words and abusive language as you mentioned it becomes a prayer and or i i should say a prayer against the child sure. and then that child uh, that child becomes or starts to become that way so that again the the blame goes to the parents for behaving that way in front of the child um i think you have more points to to say i mean uh, to 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 give up but then time is uh, fast going but uh, if you could share maybe one last um point um, yes. and then we Just leave to the speed it up there's many more points sure. i have and i knew uh, from the beginning that it will not be possible to go through all of them uh, one last point that i will share is that parents should not lie to the child this is important because uh, when we lie in front of the child or to the child the child is picking up this habit that it is normal to lie it is okay to lie some people what they would do is that they would they might not lie to the child but for example the child will observe it sure for example mother stayed at home and uh, she was doing something later father comes and asks a question she completely denies doing sure. whatever she you know what was done and, one, and the one child doesn't even ask sure. any questions just uh, this Pick is an it. observation that he sure. picks up and he says that he, without subconsciously he realizes that okay this is a norm and this is how things work it is it is important as muslims we are told and taught not to lie at all but then lying in front of children becomes you know um actually uh training them with that kind of um trait um sometimes you see like um when a parent owes somebody 
and the person, I mean, he or she who owes is coming for the money. This parent will tell a child, when she comes, tell her I'm not here. Yes. And sometimes some, some children, out of ignorance, say, mommy says I should tell you, <laughs> I mean, she, she's not here. So these are some of the things that um, as, as parents sometimes we do unintentionally, but then the children pick it. And when they begin to, you know, practice it, we again complain that you don't know where they are learning all this life from. You are on a, I mean, a call, somebody calls, you are at home, and they say, no, I'm on the way. The child has, you know, picked it that under certain conditions you can lie. But then Islam discourages telling lies. Yes. And um, I think this... Yeah, I mean, there's many more points that I would have liked to add. And perhaps another time, sure. we can just look at this, this list again sure. and share with our listeners sure. uh, what are some important ways. I mean, I, only, I haven't even gone through half the points yet. Sure. So we should certainly look at these at another time. And I think we will find time some other day to um, go through some of these um, golden uh, rules and principles that as parents, when we adopt, we can I mean, shape the future of our children into a very responsible way. And as I said, this is all that time would allow us on today's program. I also had a lot to um, add, but then time would not allow us. So as usual, um, Imam Tariq, thank you very much for joining us today on Voice of Islam. And also a very big thank you to you, my listeners, without who uh, Voice of Islam wouldn't be the program it is. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica. It is love for all and hatred for none. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you.